Hello and welcome to season one of the Chela to Chela podcast, featuring interviews and conversations with disciples of our Gurudev, Paramahansa Yoganandaji. I'm your host, Brenda Roberts, and in the Chela to Chela podcast, we will be talking with devotees from all over the world, connecting informally on a heart, soul, and day-to-day level. In season one, we'll be talking with devotees from Italy, India, Germany, and many parts of the USA. You'll be hearing heart-touching and loving tributes about our Guruji, and you'll also hear those sweet, inspiring stories of How I Found Master. Today we have with us Pete Olson. Hello, Pete. Thank you for joining. Hi, Brenda. So, Pete, for the the hordes of devotees that we just <laughs> know are listening, <laughs> um, tell us where you live and where you attend services. Let's start there. Uh, I live in uh, Aguanga. Uh, it's actually pronounced Aguanga. Uh, California. So for people that live in uh, Berlin or uh, Mumbai, um, how far from the Encinitas Temple are you? We're about an hour and 15 minutes from the Encinitas Temple. And uh, do you have a group out there? I have never heard of that place. No, we don't have a group here. When we go to services, we go either to Encinitas or to um, Escondido. Are you married? Do you have children? Were you raised in SRF? Is your spouse in SRF? Give us that picture. Um, I was, I, I'm married. My wife is Frederica Haskell. I wasn't raised in SRF. I grew up on the Oregon coast in a small town and uh, my grandfather, Edgar Merritt, was the grand imperator of the Rosicrucians wow. for Oregon. So there were lots of books around uh, his house, and my mother was a, a acolyte of uh, Edgar Casey. So there was a lot of um, metaphysical type thought that I was introduced to at an early age. And then when I got older and in my late teens, I hitchhiked to California and was living in a communal house. And the hippie girl that lived next door had gone to Hollywood Temple, and she had lots of pictures of the SRF gurus and Sri Ramakrishna and other saints, Indian saints. And I didn't think that much about it um, until there came a point in my life where I needed, I needed something. And so it was an odd experience because when I went looking, every place I looked, there was Master. Uh-huh. You know, I already knew that some of the more public faces of Eastern teachings were not uh, didn't appeal to me. I, I, there was something about them that I didn't find uplifting or, uh, or inspiring. 
but master every place I looked and and I find, I walked into the health food store and and I saw this that poster that that sepia tone poster of the kid balancing on the railroad track uh-huh. and I said uh, you know the child is absorbed in his play the boy in his senses the man in his worries the something else that all are seeking is God Parman's Yogananda. My eyes went bugged out of my head, <laughs> and I said to the guy that owned the health food store, "Where'd you get that?" And he said, "Well, this guy gave it to him, and he gave me the guy's number." I called him up, and I said I wanted to join SRF. When was that, Pete? January 1971, I believe, was when my membership card was was signed. Um, and did that solve all the problems in your life? You've had a smooth... Absolutely. Life. It's been nothing but clear sailing ever since then. <laughs> I thought it just kept going. You know, things were happening internally. I thought, oh. And, and the habits that I'd had all this life and all the other lives prior to that <laughs> came, came up. <laughs> so I found out that I, I, was, not, I was not a free, uh, a free soul yet. I think we all get, we get this honeymoon, right? And then the right. work begins. So with you, how did the work begin? Do you want to talk about that? Is there value for this? <laughs> well, I would say that it's been very haphazard. Um, sincere, earnest, um, but haphazard you know it's a, it's seemingly uh, haphazard because when you're with guruji nothing is yeah, haphazard. I agree that i agree with that and i'm sure i've been with him before but anyway i went back to being uh, sometimes good and sometimes not good what does that mean that means that that's the way i saw things i thought i thought in terms of good and bad and i wanted to be really 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 good and uh I still had habits that uh, dragged me down, and um, you know I had been a hippie. I'd been, you know, I'd, even when I was a kid, I, you know, I drank, started drinking when I was 14 years old, and I quit. I it, I it left me when I joined SRF, but it came back when things got rough. The drinking. The drinking did, and of course the the drug use that was part of being a hippie. Mm-hmm. So how 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 was that for you being a devotee, loving God, having um, obviously Kriya by that time, um, and and loving Master and drinking and doing drugs? How how was that? It was ambiguous, of course. Um, the hardest part was what it did to myself. Uh, my feeling I didn't have a self control. You know, I didn't have a kind of uh, stability in my emotional life because that's what those things are about in your emotional life yes your, your feelings you're dealing with your feelings and the only way that you you or you've been doing for a long time and um i had some semi-spiritual type experiences um but in with uh, psychedelics and so forth and I, and I thought the first thought with all of that was that that's not the way to do it uh-huh and very clear that that wasn't so I didn't continue with that I put my motorcycle in the back of my truck and hooked up the U-Haul trailer and my dog and I got in the front seat and we headed drunkenly 
for Encinitas. I'm sure glad this story has a good ending. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Whoa. Um, when I passed when I passed the sign that says "Welcome to Encinitas," the desire to drink left me. Wow! It stayed gone for a while, but it came back again later. Oh! But, but um, yeah, I know that's what everybody says. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so tell me this. Um, I'm I'm just gonna uh, sidestep here for a minute. You have a great sense of humor. Was that <laughs> a, a value? In, has that been a value to you in the spiritual path? Of course. Of course, it's a, it's a big joke. The whole thing's a big joke. But you've been through a lot of trauma. Is yeah. that a joke too? Doesn't feel like it when you're in the middle of it. Yeah. But um, it. I would say that um, the refinement of my attitude has been the clearest sign to me of progress in this life. No, uh, that makes, if that makes no, any sense, it doesn't. So I mean, it does, but break it down a little for us. What does that mean? It's just learning how to accept the setup that Brother Anandamoy used to talk about. There's a setup. There are laws, and then there's the things that happen to us. And ultimately, of course, I learned that after hearing it over and over and over again, <laughs> that we create all that stuff. Mm. Mm. And, and uh, much, much later in my life, that made sense to me. And karma no longer looked like my enemy. And um, I eventually have found peace with myself. You know, the person that I had to find peace with was the person that was flawed. You know, if you, the only person that you think you are is this wonderful <laughs> thing, which is great, and we are that too, but it's the part of us that we have trouble with that is the part that we have to learn to be kind to because it needs it as much as anybody you know, anybody else that we run into. You know, so we need to be nice. Are, are you talking about um, putting away the whip? Oh, boy, am I. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't easy to do that. It, it wasn't, wasn't wasn't easy. No, because it was a long held old habit. Mm -hmm. Probably I brought it in, you know, with this life. Yes, no doubt, because it it came, it went, it came, it went. So your your struggle there was um, uh, significant. Was there depression with that or not? Oh, I think I think that I think I was depressed from the time I came into this world. With the alcoholism, the depression, um, all of that, what what's your view of it now? Was it necessary? Where where how do you view it? Because you're on the other side now. You're on the other side of that, and and somehow you got there. Which, if you could articulate that, that might be helpful to somebody else that's dealing with um, with alcoholic problems or something that they brought over from the past. What can you give of your experience that might be helpful? Well, I can say I don't regret it. That's interesting. And, and uh, I don't know, I don't see how I could have done it in any other way. You know, uh, when I was a little kid, I saw those, those amber bottles up on the shelf of the 
bars of the restaurants we'd go to, and I was very interested in them. I would smell the cigarette smoke drifting by. I liked it. Uh huh. No doubt you brought all of this in. Oh, I, I have it was your side. It was your way, right? I love this statement that says, um, if it's in your way, it is your way. <laughs> I, like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so. I, I agree with that 100%. So um, I'm going to try to encapsulate this. So you, you have these horrific things that you brought in, obviously, to work on and work through in this lifetime. And yes. so when they were difficult. Um, you were down on yourself. You had the whip out a lot of the time, uh, but you stayed and you hung on. So there must have been a part of you that, that, that said, um, I'm worthy of keeping on keeping on. Um, I wound up spending 23 years as a paramedic. and Wow, I didn't know that. And I got arrested and thrown in jail for drunk driving. And I was going to lose my paramedic license if I... I lost my drive, my ambulance driver's license, so I elected to go into a program, and I just took to it. I just loved it. Can you tell us what program that was? There might be somebody that would be interested. You're not supposed to talk about it publicly. Okay. I can say that I highly recommend to people who are having trouble with alcohol or drugs the 12-step programs. I can just say I highly recommend them. All right. Did you continue to be a, a, um, a paramedic? Yes, until 2001. Uh -huh. I, ran, I ran over 50,000. 50,000 paramedic calls? Yeah. Wow. Now, not all of those are true emergencies. Remember, that's a matter. lot of people, people call you for stubbed toes and et cetera. That's but a lot, of them, a lot of them are emergencies and a lot of them are dangerous and a lot of them. So it, it's... And I, I wouldn't trade that experience either. It's interesting how Guji gives us exactly what we need, when we need it, even if we don't like it or understand it. So you stop that. You're still hanging on to Guruji. You have this wonderful relationship with Mukti Man, who knows who else. Uh, <laughs> Anybody I can get my grips on? <laughs> <laughs> um, was, let me just go to Mukti Man for a moment. Um, was there a theme? Or anything that really stands out at this point that Motima advised you on as, a, as an attitude or a, you know is there anything you can share that was absolutely all right because I thought in I thought back after she was gone I thought what was it that she gave me yes what was it because we would talk about everything. We'd talk about politics. We'd talk about dogs. We'd talk about car designs. And then, of course, I was being uplifted the whole time. And I revered her. Couldn't help it. And I said to her one time, because she spent a lot of time with me. We sat in that hermitage living room many, many hours. She didn't... Time was not her thing. Yeah, I think that's why she and John got along so well. <laughs> he had no sense of timing whatsoever. That's my husband, for all of you listening. Had, had another planet, had no sense of time. Uh, but, but I asked her one time, I said, Muktima, can you look at me and tell me what I should do next? And she, you know that look she had, she would, just gaze at you with those deep, deep eyes. 
with her head cocked a little to the side, and you knew she was really looking in you. And she said to me, Well, Peter, I think you should just keep doing what you're doing. And, and the voice inside me says, she doesn't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but you know, when I thought about it later, when, when the peace that she planted in me grew to something bigger, I thought, if somebody now were to ask me that question, I would give them the same answer. Because it, nobody, no bad person is going to ask a question like that. Somebody who is really trying to be a better person who's trying to find their way and is sincere and earnest. So that's what she saw in me. And that's what she treated me like. She saw the goodness in me when I didn't see it at all. She was the main counselor of the nuns for many years. And they were asking how to counsel this person. They asked what she would do. And, and Muktima said, you know, I might not do anything. I might just walk beside them for a while. Wow. Wow. That's, that's what she did. And, and isn't, that, isn't that a wonderful directive for all of us, especially if we have someone in our environment that we feel is, 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 is not living up to their potential, uh, okay. whatever that means, and, and then all we have to do is just walk beside them and, and love them. Love them. Yeah. She told me one time another thing that, of course, many things stand out. That It's all there. I've never, never lost any of it. You know, the things she said to me. Uh, Whitman said, my words itch at your ears until you understand them. Huh. Walt Whitman, the poet. Um, my, her words and Brother Anandamoy's words and every one of these great souls that Master brought with him, their words have itched at my ears until I understood them. That she had said. One time she told me I was completely enthralled. And you know, it should be easy to imagine. I was completely enthralled. I had the company of a saint. And she told me one time, she said, Peter, nothing personal is going on here. And I thought, oh my God, no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was shattered. And but I pondered it. In the meantime, she moved from Mancinitas up to Mount Washington. And I went up there for the Christmas open house. And I had written her a note. And I said, you know, <laughs> I was really hurt initially when you said that to me. But I thought about it a lot. And I prayed about it. And I realized that God is loving me personally through you. And I thank you for letting it be so. Uh -huh. And she, she took me aside at Mother Center and she said, I got your note, you understand. Wow, wow. So many, many blessings you've had, Pete. And, and um, I would like to add my, probably my only experience with Mukti Ma because she was not someone that I counseled with, but I had an occasion to talk with her over the phone about someone that we both knew. And I was asking how can I how can I help and what she said and you you'll hear this she said well you know 
we were all summoned here, actually, to help keep the balance. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. So, Pete, what did you do after the paramedic stint of yeah. 20, 23 years, which I had no idea? Well, I ran out of money. <laughs> One night I was in my camper and um, I was playing a song I'd written and I looked over at Master's picture and he was just beaming at me. And I, I looked at him and I, I said, you mean I get to do this? You know, I couldn't believe it. You mean you like this? Because <laughs> I always seem things, things. I figured always figured if I liked something, it was folly. I, I, I'm, I hate to admit it, but I did. You know, if I loved it, it wasn't serious. There was that serious side of me that. Uh, I call that the the devotee syndrome when you're off. Yeah. you're never never quite good enough. You know? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So. I became a. A musician and uh, and I I really needed money so for two and a half years I was a street performer ah busking they call it isn't busking, it yeah I was a busker and uh, I'm a professional musician now you know and I've I've played with some famous people and now I do about a hundred and between a hundred and a hundred and fifty gigs a year that's what I do that's my job and I love it <laughs> okay, we're going to put your contact information on the show notes and a couple of other questions. Yes, ma'am. What advice would you give to someone who might just be starting out on the path of Guruji in this lifetime? Me give advice. <laughs> <laughs> the best advice I can give to anybody is to... Uh, find a way to make peace with yourself and and you, you will find in master's writings master taught us the highest ideal because some of us are close to that high ideal so he's not going to give us any uh, advice that 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 uh, not relevant or doesn't apply to us well that's lower than that that gives uh -huh. us an opening to make an excuse for mm -hmm. not striving for the highest but with emotional maturity I would say and learning to be at peace with ourselves we learn to um, not take the shoulds that we see in master's writings and use them as a weapon to beat ourselves Oh, up with that's a big one because there's plenty there and in lots of other places that is made for people like me and I'm guessing there might be a few more people like me who have struggled and who struggle maybe still um, there's so much scripture the parable of the prodigal son for goodness sake that's for me master's story the bad man who was preferred for preferred by God, that was written for me. When someone asked Master, uh, it, besides 
uh, all of these yoga techniques that you've taught, is there any other surefire way that you can give, that you can recommend that you could find God? Master said, yeah, just keep your attention at the point between the eyebrows. That was for me. You know, um, Walt Whitman, whose book, Leaves of Grass, I've been told Diama slept with under her pillow before she came to Master. And who Anandamoy said, he had some kind of realization for sure. Some level of realization. One of the lines in his Song of Myself is, Nothing, not God, is more important to one than oneself is. We have to be at peace with ourselves. That's God. When I, one time I, when I was at a very low point, I, I was in my car in the rain, and I was thinking, it was after my second divorce, and I was thinking, I just wish somebody would love me the way I've always wanted to be loved. And I heard a voice say, I love you, Pete. And I thought, huh? And then the voice went on and it said, not only do I love you, but I've, I'm going to cry. <laughs> um, but I was there when you got all those hurts and slammed all those doors inside yourself. And at that point, I realized that it was me. It was a part of me that was talking to me. And people say, I've had many devotees say, oh, that was God. I don't doubt it a bit. It was the God part of me mm -hmm. that was letting me know that I needed to be, I needed to love myself. I needed that more than I needed anything else because, um, because nobody else knows our hurts. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows. They can't see that. They can't penetrate that. Mm -hmm. This is a, our business with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so that's the best advice I can give to anybody. Devotee on Master's Path or devotee on the greater path of self-realization that everybody is on. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay, I'm... I'm, uh, I'm going to go ahead and ask you the last question, uh, not to take away from what you've just said, because uh, I think it's so very important and Master talks about, I, I can't quote it, but it's there a lot, it comes up, you have to learn to love yourself, and yeah. uh, it's a hard one, you know? Indeed. Uh, yeah. Uh, because I think we, we come in, when Master said, we come into this path not at the beginning but the end of our spiritual life. And I think we come in to work off those um, last pieces of dross and, and to actually learn that love that is God within us. Yes. It's not an ego love at all. But still it's hard because we're, we're, we're here to struggle, you know. Those that are too good for this world are somewhere else, right? So, okay, so I want to get to this last question, and that is, Pete, when you get to the other side and you look back on this incarnation, what is it that you would like to be able to say about this incarnation? Wow, that's a heck of a question. <laughs> 
well, I'm uh, I'm very very glad that it's been 35 years plus, almost 36 years since I had any type of intoxicant, and the reason that's imp uh, is important to me is not just about alcohol or drugs or it is because I see the use of those things as the inability to uh, live peacefully with our own emotions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've gone through everything sober that I went through drunk and drank at. I didn't escape any of it. I had to go through it. I have, I've gone through divorce. I've gone through disease, mm -hmm. leukemia, depression, all of those things. Turns out that it was all wonderful because my attitude was good. And so, you grew from it. You had to have grown from it. I did grow from it, it yes. in a way that I never would have grown yes. if everything had been hunky-dory. Amen, brother. And, yeah, I, the, you know, not that I ever ask for anything difficult anymore. I did that one time. I did that when I went to Thailand and got, you know. I said, I think you're going to have to bring a hammer down on me because I can't control myself. Wow. Never yeah. ask God to bring a hammer down on you. <laughs> And he did. Oh, he's got a big one. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things that I, one of the things that I learned in sobriety or came to me, maybe inspired, was inspired was after I'd been, I was afraid I would drink again. And so, so after a few months, I was kind of terrified. And then this thought came to me, I'm just going to not dwell on any thought of drinking or using, I'm going to sweep it out of my mind and I'm going to say, I thank you, God, that today I don't have to do that. And I have said that in my mind probably a million times. Right. To where it says, to where my mantra it has become, thank you. This is my mantra. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, Guji says uh, gratitude opens the door to abundance, and and uh, it's uh, an abundant growth period and uh, a blessed life. It Thank is. You for all your um, disclosures and and wisdom and uh, and love. Mm. You know, there were some tender tender things there you shared with us, and uh, I thank you for that. Thank you. Well, dear friends, it's wonderful to hear these stories, isn't it? And in just a few moments, I have a great quote of Gurji's to share with you. But first, if you would like access to the private page where guest contact and other information is posted, it's free and easy. Just email to subscribe to the mailing list. The email address is subscribe at soulcallsinfinity.org. For those of you who may be driving or jogging while listening, no worries, the link to subscribe will be in the show notes. The Chela de Chela podcast is sponsored by Soul Calls Infinity, and the music is courtesy of Soul Calls Music Meditations by Saranya. I'm your host, Brenda Roberts, 
and I'd love to share your story. Email me for guest guidelines and preparation details. That's Brenda at soulcallsinfinity.org. Looking forward to sharing the next episode with you, where we'll be meeting another uniquely devoted disciple of our beloved Master, Paramahansa Yoganandaji. And now, in closing, let's listen to this quote of Master given by Brother Achilanandaji in the 1986 Self-Realization magazine. Master said, We all come from God. Once we were strangers, but when we love God, we become brothers and sisters. That relationship is the strongest of bonds it holds now and in the hereafter. So, dear ones, until next time, let us join together in affirming it's a wonderful life with Guruji in it. Jai Guru Jai.